1: Here's the Fangirls on Jackalope Radio. Hey everybody, and welcome to the latest and greatest episode of the Fangirl Radio Show. I'm your host, Jessica Dwyer. And with me, as always, is the co-hostess with the most is Miss Rachel Moore.
0: Good evening. Um
1: and we uh we're kind of doing this backwards. Our la- last week's episode was uh delayed due to uh, personal uh Death in the Family, and um, that will be available online um, this week. Uh, So it's a little backwards, uh, but uh, we are going to play this one for Doctor Who Week because we have to, because it is Who Week, and if you haven't noticed, BBC America has been taken over by Who. And uh, so this week's episode, we're going to do our Week in Geek for you. We're going to talk about the Sherlock Holmes exhibition. That we went into. Uh, this, Yay! Yes, and also we are going to do my personal top twelve moments from each of the doctors. Actually, one per doctor. Um, that I is very difficult to choose, but I managed to only have one of them be a tie. <laughs> so <laughs> well, I'm very proud of you. Thank you, thank you. Um, so let's get on to the Week in geek because we got a lot to cover. Um, big news. For
0: those of us who love British humor, Rachel, Mm -hmm. go for it. Oh, uh, Monty Python's reuniting all the surviving members. And yeah, they made the announcement and there's going to be more announcements to come. And it's very exciting. Yes, it is. Because they haven't done anything since, I believe, Meaning of Life, right? Is that the last one? Well, I mean, they did the reunion, which um, aired, Mm -hmm. where they were all there. Um, oh, what, at the at, at the Aspen Comedy Festival, right?
1: Right. But that was like, fifteen. That was like years thirteen
0: ago. years ago. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And uh, we've had spam a lot, and but that wasn't
0: these that guys was the original cast. Yeah. But...
1: No. So this is pretty huge for a lot of people that I know personally, as well as myself, and just basically anybody that has a good taste in comedy. Really. So, um, and Eric Idle, I still love you. I still love you. I want to give you cuddles. Um, (laughs) Sorry, sorry, sorry. Um,
0: I appreciate that. I appreciate
1: that. (laughs) um, But uh, that's big news. Another um, kind of hand in hand. I think these two actresses for some reason go hand in hand. I can't imagine why. Um, Christina Ricci is coming to Lifetime Television and i don't know what it is with the lifetime network but they're going into a lot of true true crime stuff lately they've got the bonnie and clyde thing happening but christina ricci is playing lizzie borden (laughs) in a lifetime movie that's going to be on january 25th and i i'm actually really interested to see what they do with this um they it's also going to have billy campbell and clea in, in the show as well um but uh, I'm, I'm really curious because the last time I saw an actress <clears throat> really own that role, it was Elizabeth Montgomery. Um, and if you've not seen her as, as Lizzie Borden, it's chilling to see Samantha from Bewitched become this <laughs> very um, – Yeah, it's really cool. And they, they give you explanations for how she got away, why she wasn't covered in blood after hacking two piece, people to death, um, was she did it naked. And they show this, and they show her. Yeah, I know it's and it's. It looks like a old. I think it. They filmed it like the seventies. Wow, Um, early eighties maybe, and it's got a very uh, kind of that uh, dark shadows vibe to it because it's definitely on sets. Where they filmed it. But this looks really slick. And uh, Christina Ricci is beautiful in this poster that they've released. Um, but going hand in hand with this. The, the the scuttlebutt on Beetlejuice 2. Which is happening. Is that Winona Ryder may be joining the cast. As Lydia Dietz. Well she should. She should. And I'd love to see where they would uh, bring this back. You know. Oh my God, it's crazy to think this is almost 30 years ago. <laughs> oh, my age. Um, but uh, yeah, she, she said uh, she'd never go near a sequel for this again unless Tim and Michael were back on board with it because that's who she'd want to do it with. Um, so there you go. She could be back. We could get our original Goth girl. And um, one thing I know, Rachel had an a article about another sequel...
0: That, Ugh. that we're not happy about at all. And it's a wonderful life sequel. I still feel like I'm being punked. I feel like I need to research it more Ah, because if there's really an it's a wonderful life sequel, they've ruined movies and everyone can go home now.
1: Right. And it's actually called It's a Wonderful Life, the rest of the
0: story, which sounds like something that. It's it's like like from what I've read, his unlikable grandson finds out that the world would be better off without him. That's so like, That's black Adder. Right. That's exactly <laughs> what I said. I'm like, well, first of all, that defeats the whole point of "It's a Wonderful Life," and second of all, I, I mean, like, that's the that's the story of Scrooge. That's not the story of George Bailey. And then, second of all, so you've got a bad Scrooge take and you're like it's going to be a comedy probably i mean can you imagine so it's going to end up being we already had an it's a wonderful life remake it was called family man and it was acceptable
1: yeah and it just i why this would be like making a sequel to citizen kane
0: Let's let's make a sequel to Gone with the Wind.
1: Oh, wait. Oh, wait. Uh, they did that for <laughs> TV movie of the week on CBS, and God, wasn't it so great? <laughs> oh, um, on to better things that are going to return. I love Mystery Science Theater 3000. No. And I am in love with Joel Hodgson. No. And the suckers keep coming. I know, right? And guess what? Turkey Day is back! Yay! Turkey Day is happening again. If you don't know what Turkey Day is, then shame on you. <laughs> uh, Turkey Day was something that MST3K did back in um, the early 90s, way a long time ago. Um, and I actually filled up probably six video cassettes. with. I, I actually made a point <laughs> to drive home from my grandparents to change tapes. I had it timed. <laughs> do I um, uh, it's all true. So Turkey Day was this great thing where they marathon Mystery Science Theater with, like, little vignettes in, in, in between episodes of, like, Dr. Forrester and Frank making Thanksgiving dinner and great little commercials where Crow T Robot says – uh, turkey fact number twelve: Turkeys are filled with enough l tryptophan to knock you on your sorry Thanksgiving ass. And then little Tom Servo come back, crow, oh, no, no, oh, and it was just I, I will never forget Turkey Day. Well, Turkey Day, <laughs> Turkey Day is happening again, and what's going to happen is on Thanksgiving, starting at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern, six episodes picked by the fans will be shown on www.mst3kturkeyday.com and it will be streamed for free you don't even have to subscribe to cable or anything it is going to be streaming online on the internet and joel hodgson is going to be hosting it and you can that is exciting it is awesome and he is taking suggestions for episodes to stream via his twitter feed So you can go on Twitter and let Joel know what you want. You want pod people, if you want um, teenage caveman, if you want um, uh, the killer shrews, uh, any of that stuff, if you want it. Let him know. He's taking suggestions. I've already told him I asked him to marry me twice back when I was 12. So, (laughs) and I'm proud of that fact, and I don't care. Who knows it? So, yeah, uh, Turkey Day is back, and that is pretty damn awesome. (laughs) So, um, other stuff that happened on TV this week that we need to cover. Uh, Sleepy Hollow, I'm kind of having to agree with. The reaction to their big twist that they revealed. Um, And also the other thing with this uh, episode. I don't know if if you guys out there noticed this. Some places it was called the Necromancer. And others it was called Into Darkness. Yeah. And I don't get why that was. Um, It's very weird. I've never seen that happen in a new series where Mm -hmm. it had... Two alternate titles, and I don't think there was any difference to the episode edit.
0: Oh, did they just mislabel it for half I, for a time zone or something? I don't know. I'm
1: thinking that might be what happened, but that's gonna confuse a hell of a lot of DVRs. Um, <laughs> right. yeah, because you know, if you're set to record a right. new season, it's gonna do something weird. Um, so what happened in Sleepy Hollow was we got the, the true kind of uh, name of the Headless Horseman, and uh, I, we. One good thing about this is I love the a- actor that played him. Um, his name's Neil Jackson, and if you uh, ever watched the awesome uh, TV series that was uh, Blade, he played the lead vampire in this. Uh, back in that series on FX, actually, um, he was in Quantum of Solace too, wasn't he? Um, I don't think he was in Quantum of Solace, but, Mm -hmm. but, uh, he was in, what would you know that he, oh, he was in an episode of Stargate. No, I know
0: that. (laughs) I mean, my husband only knows people by being in Stargate, but I'm pretty, I was pretty sure he was. Maybe I'm crazy. Um, he might've been,
1: it could be, uh, but, uh, anyway, the, uh, the big reveal (sighs) (laughs) <sighs> <laughs> the big reveal comes that, uh, Ichabod Crane had a best friend and his name was Abraham Brom, you yeah. know, uh, and he was, and, and this is the other part of this that didn't make any sense. Uh, you know, we, we left on that great finale of the last episode where he's, they have trapped the horseman and all this. Mm-hmm. So they bring back John Cho as the poor little zombie, uh, pining away for, uh, for Abby. And uh they get him to be the voice for the headless horseman because you can't really talk to the headless horseman. He's got no larynx, neck, mouth, anything. So he is uh possesses John Cho's character who tells them, you know, talks to them, says, Ah, oh, Ekabod, blah, I know your secrets. And I was about to get John Cho. i, I, I yeah, here. I'm, <laughs> I'm condensing this down. So, so what we <laughs> uh, I know your secrets, Ichabod. <laughs> Arr, you look good in those pants.
0: Don't <laughs> hey, if you die, like you're not allowed to obsess me. Be like, uh, I'm Rachel. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Neil Gaiman. Blah, blah, blah. blah. Like, a ah.
1: so so anyway, uh, Abraham is Ichabod's best friend, and he is engaged to Katrina Van Tassel. Now, the problem here, and a lot of people have picked up on this too, the last time we saw Katrina, she was like this Quaker poor lady nurse that had no money and no contacts when she first meets Ichabod. Suddenly we have a rich guy named Abraham who is interested in Katrina for whatever reason. How'd they meet? We don't know. Why would he want to marry a very, very poor woman, no matter how hot she is, if... He's already loaded and can have any woman he wants. Why Katrina? Mm-hmm. So, and Katrina is, is, you know, she takes the gift that he gives her that Ichabod helped pick out. And uh, Ichabod's making a very poor sh- uh, hiding of the fact that he likes Katrina. Uh, so at this party where after she, he gives her this necklace, she tells Ichabod, I'm dumping him for you. Oh, no, it's not all about you, though. I, it's, it's somewhat about me. You know, and and and, and, yeah, and it's it's just very weird and sudden to me that this happens. This just makes no sense. Anyway, so Ichabod and Abraham are on their covert mission when Ichabod finds. You know, he tells Abraham tells Ichabod, "I'm he dumped me," and then Ichabod chooses this moment while they're on their covert op to tell him, "Yeah, well, she she loves me." i oh didn't know gosh. i didn't know seriously <laughs> i had no idea
0: yeah this is hilarious i
1: had no idea she knew she loved me until just yeah whatever so of course this pisses off angry rich guy abraham who decides i'm going to sword fight you for my honor while we're in the middle of enemy territory <laughs> and this goes on and guess what? He gets shot because they're not being very Are you sure. You
0: weren't watching Grimm. This sounds much more like Grimm than the Sleepy Hollow. Oh, I'm... it gets
1: better. So yeah, they, they he gets shot. Well, it just so hap- happens that it's a group of Hessians that shoot him, and he has Ichabod leaves him to go deliver this pre um, uh, bill of uh, you know the the pre Declaration of Independence is what they were running to to the through the forest with and so the hessians of course use his body to allow the spirit of death to come so that is the big reveal the headless horseman is in fact in love with katrina van tassel
0: and <laughs> that, he, that really makes you mad i can tell that just well, like oh ruins you, the whole thing for you you, you
1: have it, it it doesn't ruin it so much as why you know, you've got a great mythos here. Why are you involving this weird, awkward love story triangle thing, you know, with the the Headless Horseman being the spirit of Ichabod's best friend, also who was in love with Katrina. And he's now going to be, you know, his reward for being the the, the rider of death will be Katrina's soul. And so now you've made the entire focus of Sleepy Hollow Katrina right why I mean it, it why it, it, to me this this <coughs> the whole mythos of it would be like making the whole focus of the X-Files the uh you know the you know Mulder's sister the whole damn thing which it wasn't you know you could have that piece in there but the entire thing of the x-files was the conspiracy and the mythos right and, well, and you know why
0: well, it's not that interesting because she's dead right like who cares i mean the, the fact is that the sooner they get rid of her her character the more interesting because they haven't done anything interesting with her. She's the least interesting part of this whole mess. Right. And this
1: isn't even about her. She this is about Ichabod and Abraham and this whole big, oh, I wanted her, oh, I wanted her, you know, kind of thing. And it's like, right. she's in love with me. No, she's in love with me. Why does it have to be about that? You've you've basically taken a character that's supposed to be the the, the badass witch who could, you know instead of making her a key in one more way, you've made her just the love interest. You know what I mean? You've, 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 you've got a great character, but why do we care? No,
0: they nerfed her. They completely nerfed her.
1: Yeah. So that's, that's why it annoys me. Um, Other than that, awesome episode. I mean, we get to see uh, Abby's sister and, and um, the cap, the, the, the captain who is, Taking all of this very well.
0: <laughs> you
1: yeah. Um, Orlando Jones is doing great with this. And boy, on Tumblr, he is a riot. He is just loving all of this. Uh, but they did a great job with capturing the Hessians, and, and, but it didn't do any good. Everything went bad. But um, it was just a great episode, except for that. I really am disappointed with that way the story is going. So, eh. Um, but uh, moving on to... The new series that Fox gave us this week. Almost Human with Carl <laughs>
0: Urban. Yes. It yes. was awesome. I at first, like the first it took me a little while to get into the first episode because at first I'm like, okay, that's Blade Runner. Okay, that's Robocop. Okay, that's iRobot. Oh but yeah. Then once the at his actual partner appeared it started to be really good and then the second episode skin was really very good and they already have all the buddy cop beats that you'd hope for down and so i think that aside from the fact that the leading men are very pretty the leading girl is easy on the eyes and it's Overall, it's just gorgeous to look at. So far, it's been pretty clever too.
1: Well, and on top of that, it's got a great supporting cast because I don't know, yeah. you know, you guys that that know me know my love of Captain Jack Sparrow. So the tech guy <laughs> is Mackenzie Crook, who right. is the guy with one eyeball from all of the uh, Pirates of the Caribbean movies. He's a great character actor. He was he, in the British Office. He's in Game of Thrones. Um. He's great. Lily Taylor is yeah. awesome. You can't lose with her. Uh, so I'm Lily really. Lily Taylor
0: can't lose. Is that what you're Lily saying? Lily Taylor can't lose.
1: Um, I really, really loved it. Uh, and I I love the fact that it doesn't make any, any you know, li- it doesn't lie about what it is. It's taking all these great aspects of these shows that have, and series that have come before and making it. Updated and putting its own spin on it, which I I love that.
0: Well, it's it's everything that you love about those things without being. They it really feels like an homage and not like a straight rip, and right. it's enough different that it makes it its own. The first episode, I said, why aren't there sex bots? Why is it policemen? And then of course, the second episode, you find out there are sex bots, and I'm like, okay, why don't because... we have sex bots? <laughs> wow no that is not (laughs) that's what you were asking that is not no i just think that it would be like nerds would come up with sex bots before they come up with police bots because of course but um i just think that the way that they're approaching it is a great homage to classic sci-fi which it's been so long since we've had any good classic sci-fi they've you know the their little tips little nods to asimov and to Philip Dick and everybody.
1: And I really, really like the fact that, you know, I think Fox is, is giving over. They've realized their mistake with Firefly with, and with as good as a run as Fringe had. They're giving the genre shows uh, a, more of a, of a shot, like with the Sleepy Hollow, which has already been renewed for a second season. And I think Almost Human has done enough already with its premiere that they're going to they're gonna keep it around. So that's good. That means genre shows all over the place on TV this season. It makes me happy. Um, and speaking of, I have to talk about The Walking Dead. <laughs> because what they did was something I didn't expect was going to happen. Um, and I'm sure a lot of other people were surprised by this too. But I, am, I was stoked because my man. Uh, David Morrissey was the star of The Walking Dead this, this weekend. He, uh, The governor was the focus of the entire episode. Uh, and Rachel ha- doesn't keep up on The Walking Dead. But what happened with the governor was after he killed basically his entire group of soldiers himself because he lost his mind, um, he took off and broke off to, um, into parts unknown. Well, the last... Last week's episode, you get to see him looking at the prison, and he's on the outside, of course. Well, this week, you find out what happened to him, and it gives you it, – it makes the governor um, – those of who didn't know about the comic and the backstory and the novel um, – it gives him the levels of of the of a great anti hero because even though he is a psycho and he killed these people and lost his mind, it was because he lost everything mm-hmm. and and that will make a man do horrible, horrible things. I think he's one of the most interesting characters on the show he is and david Morrissey um, just brings this great presence to that role he loves that stuff he's a shakespearean shakespearean trained actor and uh he really brings that quality to this role which is one of these sort of shakespeare-like characters he's just the great tragedy and uh the governor in this just shines you you um he's found by these people that are um these two sisters um who have their father living with them and um the one has her daughter still with them uh, in this apartment complex and he basically keeps them alive. Um, He, and this is actually borrowed heavily from the novel, the rise Mm -hmm. of the governor. And uh, when they get out, you know, the little girl reminds him of his little girl, Penny, who was the whole focus of his world. He, he was keeping her zombie alive and, and everything in, in the show. And he bonds with this little girl And it's just this this, the ending of this episode is just so awesome. He takes out four zombies barehanded to keep her alive. And he grabs her and holds her and swears to her. I'm never going to let anything happen to you. I'm never going to let anything happen to you. And this is the guy that just gunned down his entire group of soldiers, you know, (laughs) like weeks before. So it's it's sort of a redemptive tale, but. You know it's not going to end well for the governor. There's just no way. Right. If, if they keep with the comic and what happened, you know, even just barely touching upon what he's done between basically he, he's killed Andrea. He's killed all these people. He killed. He, he just did all these horrible things. There's n- is there so m- is there redemption for someone that far gone? And I hope you this makes you hope there is. But, you know, there's not. But it's an awesome episode. It, it really is, to me, one of the greatest episodes of the season. And I love the fact they focused on one individual character. Not one single main cast member other than David Morrissey was in this. That's great. Yeah, it's kind of like what they do every, every season with Doctor Who. They have one episode great. where the Doctor is not the focus of the episode. And this was sort of flipped of that where it was the focus of one person. And there's usually at least two involved but not this time this was all the governor so i love that um so i think it's time to talk of our adventure yes
0: yes where we journeyed north to the land of portlandia (laughs) and yes it was just as freaky as the show will let you think (laughs) and we went to omsi and um OMSI is the first stop on many stops for the international Sherlock Holmes exhibit, which has been sponsored by the family of Arthur Cronin Doyle. Um, and it. Uh, it was, I think the whole thing took us about two and a half hours top to, yeah. total.
1: Yeah, and that's with us going back and we read everything and and we did every bit of it. We did every one of the hands ons and
0: um, that that could vary depending on um, your participation level. But uh, there is, uh, we'll go through room by room basically. Um, but and we'll we'll talk about the part that takes the most time. But uh, the first room. Uh, and this is something where you go to OMSI and it's its own wing. So it's a two story exhibit the way they have it set up. And the first room is history about um, Conan Doyle and Dr. Bell, who was um, Doyle's inspiration for Sherlock Holmes. He was, um, it, uh, Conan Doyle was his clerk. And so, um, in addition to background on the author, you also get background on the inspiration they have pieces from the um, personal collection of Arthur Conan Doyle including um, pieces of bone with bullets uh, in them pieces of forensic equipment like um, uh, binocular microscopes and uh, and the fur and some uh, actual pages from the original uh, manuscript of Hound of the Baskervilles yeah, and it's it's really,
1: really neat to see all of this stuff. They actually had um, formaldehyde, I guess it was formaldehyde, um, pickled organs to show you bullet holes and actually and stab, stab wounds. And it showed you the skin and it showed you the heart that had been stabbed and you could see the wound.
0: And uh, so the, the first room was pretty low-key, very view, museum-like. There's a lot to read and we read all of it um and so it took us a good amount of time to get through that room and the nice thing is you can kind of take as much time as you like in that room because it's not where the people with kids are going um (laughs) that's the next room (laughs) so at the beginning of this they give you a little case book and the case book tells you a little bit about forensic evidence and then you go to what looks like an underground station um in london and it's set up with different uh forensic techniques like optics and lenses botany um the kinds of cosmetics that were used at that time period um there's some telegraphs where you can telegraph each other across the room Um, ballistics information and information on scotland yard and it's really neat because they have it set up that at every station you go to you put in your little um ticket book and you press down a stamp and it does a rubber stamp of something um relating to what you were just reading about so the outside of this exhibit is mostly reading and other than people crowding to get their stamps because everybody's super excited about the stamps um oh you can you can take a lot of time there
1: oh and don't forget there is also you can rub um do a rubbing
0: of a page from a newspaper and now on the inside of the exhibit on of that exhibit there are some free stations and that has your newspaper rubbing and it tells you a little bit about ciphers Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and that's what you're thinking of and so that's the station where that takes up the most time in the room because everybody wants to do their rubbing and um, there's a little machine where you stamp it out and so that's where the kids congregate and so they gear a lot of this really towards children which is great But it does mean that you have to wait pretty patiently to get there, and then you don't have the time to read as much of the information as you'd like, because there's a pretty brisk pace around it. And then you go to Baker Street. You do. The um, cryptic uh, piece of newspaper and cipher you you uh, reveals that you go to baker street and as you walk in there's an old school um, gramophone with a wax cylinder where sherlock holmes is asking you to help him on his case and they do an i spy a little scavenger hunt to see how keen your observations are and um, they, they did a pretty good job i think it was probably to me the most disappointing room it was still really cool but um, certain things that they made sure all the details were there for a Sherlock fan, like the, um, the slipper with the tobacco in it. And there was some tea service out, but the little details were not as nice as they were in other places. I thought I would have liked for it
1: to have smelled like, uh, like pipe smoke or something, you know, or have like some tea. Yeah. Something going on that like, really made your senses come alive with this room it was beautifully done I mean it looked great but it's
0: it felt a little hollow It felt like a theater prop and not like a museum exhibit especially because we'd just been through some pretty lush exhibits and so I have as I have probably mentioned my study is done as a female Sherlock Holmes type study and I feel like I did a better job with some of my props (laughs) than they did like they had they had uh, dummies up in the corner that were supposed to look like disguises. And they looked like they'd gotten something from Spirit. They kind of chucked it on a plastic thing that was painted to look like wood. And that's disappointing to me, I guess, with the lushness of it. But it was really cool. And especially for kid. I mean, the kids thought it was really cool. And they were running all over doing the iSPY. spy. And so you get this great... Um, you get this... Uh, you get to join Sherlock Holmes on a case. So you walk down, you take your little picture of, um, for your souvenir, which you can purchase at the end, which is loads of fun. And I recommend it because it's the best souvenir they have. But, um, then you go into the, the crime scene and they have the crime scene all laid out really beautifully. And then all around the crime scene, you can collect clues in your notebooks. There's, there's rubbings and there's embossing and there's stamps, and then you go around to stations where you practice forensic um, techniques of the time. So for blood spatter, you go to this little faux butcher shop and spit blood on the wall from this machine <laughs> and compare it to the blood spatter <laughs> of the crime scene. Right, and the part I liked about this was the fact that you could be wrong. It yeah. asks
1: you to, you have to choose which booth to stamp your book with. And depending on what you stamp as your, as your, um, your, what you took from the clue, you could be wrong. And, and that leads you to the end of the case and what happens.
0: Yeah. So you really have to spend some time looking and they had, they had a bunch of different things. They had footprints. You got to drag a body. They had a little greenhouse where you could, looked at seed pods and came to conclusions and it was really neat and I thought it was fun because it was fun for us I mean obviously it was geared towards children so it wasn't super difficult but it was a lot of fun to do and the kids were having a ball the kids were super into it and so um, this is the part that'll take you a good hour and a half not because it's a super hard thing to do because there's so many people there's so many people and that's where everyone wants to be because it's really the happening part and if you do all the little pieces right you punch out um this little card like jess was saying you take it to a newspaper and it tells you where to go next which is pretty cool um and I thought that was—you could tell people put blood, sweat, and tears into that part of the exhibit. It was beautiful.
1: Yeah, and then the last part of the exhibit is one of the coolest parts of the exhibit, which is all of the props and actual um, objects from elementary, the Robert Downey Jr. Holmes films, and Benedict Cumberbatch's Sherlock.
0: Yeah, it had it ha- had had um, swag from the original. Um, person to play Sherlock Holmes for the very first time it had Sherlock swag throughout the years which was it was really cool to see even though I thought there were some glaring omissions oh yeah Peter Cushing was not there Peter Cushing they had Spock playing Sherlock but they didn't make any nods to um next gen's pretty significant uh, Moriarty arch um there the props were cool but it was kind of weird because what they had for elementary was like the clothing of the two leads, and then from BBC Sherlock, they had a f- like the little um, jacket with the explos- explosive devices that were on um, Martin Freeman, and the little pink um, suitcase, suitcase, and then they had a lot of. If you're a fan of the Sherlock Holmes movie with Robert Downey Jr., they had a lot of stuff. They had the actual um, car while you're waiting in line outside.
1: Yeah, the one that he takes John to his wedding in, and they also had Irene Adler's blood-stained handkerchief that he throws into the ocean. Um, I, I was just really disappointed. The, the big disappointment for me was I, I expected more of a entire history. Like, there's no sign of Franklin Jela's Sherlock Holmes in here.
0: Yeah, there's, there's no timeline. Yeah, and that would made more sense to me. Even just photos. So when you walk through, it's not like you're walking through different phases of how Sherlock Holmes is. It's like, here's a case of Sherlock stuff, and it, it's from all different eras. Here's another case of Sherlock stuff, and it's from all different eras. And once in a while, you'd have something dedicated just to the movie or just to this TV show.
1: Right. And there's also no sign of, like, say, uh, Tom Baker did uh, Sherlock Holmes of, with Hands of the Baskervilles, and there's no sign of that. There, we
0: spent a lot of time looking. I mean, we were intentionally looking for some of these things. Right. And there was nothing to be found. The other thing is there just was no, there was no timeline. There wasn't a lot of explanation. It was just, this is this piece of memorabilia. This is this piece of memorabilia. There wasn't a lot of, there were a couple little placards. And it kind of, I even don't think of it as a separate room. But at the very end, um, right before you leave, there's a little bit of a forensic like how it's influenced forensic science but it was so short mm-hmm. it felt tacked on and at one point we're looking at this really cool like desk and we're like oh cool there's going to be some I mean we were trying to look at the folders and the folders were taped to the desk. yeah I, I <laughs> could thought... lift the phone up to like talk to anybody it was just all glued
1: there I was like what's the point of that we all know <laughs> what an office looks like yeah we look li- we work in them uh so um, my final thoughts on it and I'll let Rachel finish up is I I really, really enjoyed it, but in terms of the the uh, exhibitions that are going on in the world right now, like, say, the the Harry Potter exhibition that went on in New York, and there was another, you know, the, I keep bringing up Doctor Who because this is Who Week, but the Doctor Who exhibition in the UK, this pales in comparison to those, and it shouldn't. There's so much Holmes out there. I would have thought there would have been more. I mean, I really, really enjoyed it. I loved it. It was great. But it felt like it was more of a, you know, discovery zone Sherlock Holmes than it was a history of the character.
0: Well, and I think it was worth the money. I encourage people to go because I think you'll have a great time, but it was a little bit of a letdown because I knew what it could have been. And I think you could have still had that whole great interactive experience in the middle and included more at the beginning. Like I would have loved to see more photos, more actual historical pieces at the beginning. And at the, the end with the forensics, I, it was just lacking a certain something. And you know, we're people who spend a lot of time at museums and a lot of time at art galleries, and we don't, we're not just like, oh, that's cool, trot, trot, trot. We spend time reading everything, and I don't think it took us much more than two hours to get through the whole thing.
1: Right, and we're people that know our stuff when it comes to Sherlock Holmes, yeah, so, so we're particular.
0: <laughs> you know,
1: we're, we're the people that you come
0: through to ask us what should you have in your exhibit so we we did some initial rundowns we recorded some of our hijinks on the road to portland and back you can see those at my um fan page which is rachel fangirl and i think jess is going to throw them up on the um facebook page uh for fangirl magazine <laughs> i will throw them up throw um, them up but, um so with that it is
1: who week This weekend is the 50th anniversary of Doctor Who. And I am very, 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 very excited. Are you excited? I'm very, 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 very excited. And I'm waiting to burst into tears the moment David Tennant walks on the screen. Because I know they're going to have the music. And it's going to make me cry. But before that happens, I thought it would be kind of neat to take... And give you a list of my favorite moments from each doctor. So there's a grand total of 11. And uh, it's really hard to pick these because they're all great. But um, And I only had one that was a tie that had, I couldn't pick. I had to put two on them. Um, but you know who that is. Uh, so with that, here's my top 11 moments from each doctor. Number one, William Hartnell. My, one of my favorite moments, because there's not so much you can find on Hartnell, there's not as many episodes out there floating around, um, and the same with Patrick Troughton, but William Hartnell, one of my favorite moments, is from the Dalek Invasion of Earth, which is his goodbye to Susan, his granddaughter. And I love this speech. Um, during all the years I've been taking care of you, you in return have been taking care of me. You are still my grandchild and always will be, but now you're a woman too. I want you to belong somewhere, to have roots of your own. With David, you'll be able to find those roots and live normally like any woman would should do. Believe me, my dear, your future lies with David, and not with a silly old buffer like me. One day I shall come back. Yes, I shall come back. Until then, there must be no regrets, no tears, no anxieties. Just go forward in all your beliefs and prove to me that I am not mistaken in mine. Goodbye, Susan. Goodbye, my dear. That one always gets me. It's it's so beautiful because it's it's that crotchety old doctor,
0: giving get you know saying goodbye to his grandchild. I almost said something, but I realized that it would be just horrible, and I won't say it. Don't you dare. not this week no
1: (laughs) don't you do it Um, Patrick Troughton I loved this it just recently was discovered but it is absolutely one of the coolest things that Patrick Troughton did and that was the doctor and salamander are twins it's the first time um, in the Who history that you have the doctor and his the bad guy are the same, played by the same actor doing the same, um, in the same episode. Back then when that was really hard to do. And it's an enemy of the world. And Salamanders, it's what's so great about this is Troughton was so good at playing bad guys and heavies and all the Hammer Horror movies and all of those other films that he was in where he played the heavy. He really did this great. And it makes me so happy that they found it and you can watch it and get it on iTunes now and it will be released, um, I think, next week um, on DVD as well. But um, Patrick Troughton playing the bad guy and the doctor and you get to really see the difference in how he can just grrr and everything. It was, I love that. for John Pertwee, it was really hard to figure it out which yeah he says a lot
0: of awesome things. It's
1: not even um, it's not even something he says, but it's a scene that I love because it's it's so great to see. You never see his doctor really be um be sad or be um, you know show a weakness, and the scene that I, I, this the part that I loved of his, the one of my favorite scenes, is when he leaves Joe Grant. And uh, that happens in The Green Death. And when he leaves her, he leaves her with Professor Jones, who um, Joe has already said, reminds her of a younger version of him. And so she's going to marry him. And that means she's not going to be traveling with the doctor anymore. So while this, this celebration is going on, um, the doctor just Gives her the Metabolus 3 um, sapphire, the blue crystal, and just leaves. He just walks out the door. He just gives her one look and just drives off into the quiet night. And that's it. And it's it's just such a a sad, lonely scene. But at the same time, he could have pushed and got her to stay with him. But instead he just, he knows what he needs to go. She's, she's grown. She's become her own woman. So it's, it's a great scene and I really liked it. And um, it's right. It's the last time before Sarah Jane comes on the next episode, actually.
0: Well, and my favorite, other than the fact that I just love Sarah Jane, my, one of the things I love the best about Pertwee is he, his doctor considers and is amused a lot. Oh like, yeah, there's these he's great moments of asking. silence where he's just looking at something critically, and then he smiles, and that's just everything that I love about Pertwee right there.
1: <laughs> well, and and I I really you know and and that episode is very important too because between Katie Manning deciding to leave and um, this has been pointed out before, and, and Roger Delgado died after playing the master this at this point the the producer that he pert we had worked with the most barry letts um was you know he decided to leave after that episode that last year was sarah jane that was it so it really kind of was pert we swan, swan song it just took a year for it to to happen um after that of course tom baker this was really hard <laughs> i bet um i finally did though um i uh, I loved Baker, uh, but I loved the goodbye to Leela, and what there is a couple of things here that were important with this. One, his goodbye to Leela um, was the beginning of him giving each of his companions uh, female companions, a lot of them, canine to take with them to keep keep track of them and you know keep them safe. So he gives canine number one to Leela who decides to stay behind on Gallifrey because she falls in love with the commander of the Chancellery guard. And it's, it's this great scene. He basically doesn't even really say goodbye to her. She, he just grins and goes back into the TARDIS. And as he shuts the door, he's like, goodbye, savage. And he goes and he pulls out this box. Um, but before that happens, you see Leela and... Uh, talking to K-9 and asking, will he be lonely? And K-9 does this little thing with his ear, and he goes, not enough data, you know, basically. <laughs> and, 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 and so you see the doctor pull this box out, and on the side it says K-9 Mark II. So he's not going to be lonely. He's still got his dog. He's just- <laughs> <laughs> so, and there's this great scene, and there's only a few times that this happens, where the fourth doctor breaks the fourth wall, where he looks at you. the the viewer. And he turns, looks straight at you and grins, this big, giant Baker grin. And you know, he'll never be lonely. Why? Because we're with him. So, I love that scene. That is an awesome scene for those many, many reasons. It was really hard, though, because I really loved State of Decay, because that's when the vampires come into play with the whole thing. But... (laughs) And that was awesome. That, and that was such a Baker moment with that big, giant, crazy grin looking right at you. Um, for the fifth doctor, Peter Davison, Adric's death and earth shock. Why are you trying to make me
0: cry? Why
1: would you cry? Because no one liked Adric. And, and that's the thing, though, what they did with that but was. But the, the doctor did. <laughs> I know. The, the thing with Adric's death, though, was it was the first time that ever happened in okay. a, a show where everybody relatively was safe, a companion died and it was phenomenal. And it was the first time too. I believe that the ending credits were quiet, you know, that they just showed the, the up of his crushed star. And it's one of those things very much like in Batman where when the Robin that everyone hated died, um, it affected them. Suddenly they were like, Oh, right oh you know so adrick's death was uh just a shock and and a big deal in in the in the realm of doctor who because suddenly it wasn't safe right so could die that he, mattered yeah it definitely mattered um colin baker my Aww, my sixth shruggy. doctor uh we have an evil time lady appear in the form of the Ronnie in the mark of the Ronnie. And I loved that they gave us that. And it's Kate Mara who was in the vampire lovers with Ingrid Pitt, a great actress, beautiful woman. And it shows that the time ladies aren't necessarily safe either. And I love that she held her own with the master as well as the doctor. And I think she kicks one of them in the balls in that episode. Um, but I really, really loved that. And that was, uh, she she really held her own with these guys. And I thought it was great to see um, a smart, tough time lady. Other than Romana, who could go the, you know, she just didn't care. She was just, a you know, <laughs> she was the master female equivalent, you know. So, Sylvester McCoy, uh, the seventh doctor, I, I'm picking the last... Episode arc of the, of basically the last of the entire classic series too is called survival, and I love the fact that in this episode the Doctor defeats violence by not using it, and the whole episode is about violence and this this Tita world where they they are infected by it, and the more you you give into the violent tendencies, the more this thing takes you over, and um, his last line is also great. This is the last last line of the entire classic Doctor Who series before the movie came out and before the big finished audios really took off. There are worlds out there where the sky is burning and the seas asleep and the rivers dream. People made of smoke and cities made of song. Somewhere there's danger, somewhere there's injustice, and somewhere else the tea's getting cold. Come on, Ace, we've got work to do. That's the way to go out on a show. It's a true story. That is awesome. So, um... My 8th Doctor, Paul McGann, Uh, everything he did is awesome. And the big finish audios to all of this is so amazing. But the thing that's so great about Paul McGann is the return of the 8th Doctor and Night of the Doctor. And the fact that this Doctor, even though many people, a lot of people haven't even heard the big finish stories that he did, which are just Fast. there's so many of them but to return to that role on screen after having done it so many years ago and being in that one movie yeah and to make this character so important and to return and show the same character but show him be world weary and tired and,
0: and yes uh, and in that it...
1: seven minutes of time he is the doctor again with no there's like nothing's happened you know nothing there's not been 15 years or whatever in between it's he's he's just you know the character again and he's this world weary you know dreaming type that was what's so great about the eighth doctor was he was so full of life and he was the romantic doctor he was the one that that um had the glimmer in his eye and the whimsy to him in in a lot of ways and and here he was trying so hard to hold on to that and he makes the choice and the choice is he knows I'm not the one that can do this I'm not the one that can stop the time war I need to be a warrior and he gives his life to give life to the next doctor who is John Hurt who is the one that can make this choice
0: yeah yeah I I just, it's, it's, to me, it's just so impressive that it wasn't just that he came back and changed the character. It's that he came back, did the character differently, and it was still the same character. Like, just, uh, and it just, he had all of it in there. uh, On the, underneath the whole battle torn, upset, disenfranchised, everything, you still saw the, romantic the lover because that's really how we thought of that doctor before later doctors came he along and you so, that title he was but. so
1: trying so hard to hold on to it and it just breaks my heart because I loved eight eight for the longest time like had become my favorite doctor and and that reminded all of you out there who forgot him I know you did that that he was awesome and deserved. And that's why now there's like this petition that God, please, that they're going to give Paul McGann his own show of the Doctor again. That would be awesome and he deserves it. I would love it. I would watch the hell out of that. There's so much more to tell of eight. Oh, yeah. So um, I have three left, actually four, but I, t- I lied on this one. Um, so <laughs> Christopher Luckiston's Doctor, number nine, my Yay. favorite part. The doctor dances. Everybody
0: lives. Everybody lives.
1: That scene. That scene kills me. Every time. Because he's seen all the horrors. Of the time war at that point and uh, And lived through all of that. Knows all of that. He's lost everything. And this one day. Nobody dies. And it's just a beautiful scene. And it will make you cry if you have a soul. Um, and now david Tennant. oh god (laughs) (laughs) how did you even choose it was a tie i couldn't help it um there's i can't pick i mean and what's so great about these two choices is it's two winds of the spectrum uh school reunion with sarah jane and my sarah jane (laughs) sorry my 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 sarah jane i can't not love that and and uh from that extreme of pure love and and happiness in him that you see in and and just that beautiful reunion the tie is the doctor's vengeance and family of blood oh i knew you were going to say that somehow oh my god was that awesome i
0: just knew you were going to say that that wasn't even
1: i i knew because it's so brilliant and it shows what happens when the doctor tells you to run, you know, when you're the bad guy and, and I love that line, he was being kind Mm -hmm. because when you are a time Lord and you have, and that's part of the downfall of 10, when you have no buffer and you have no one to control you and you have that much power in you, no matter how affable and happy you, you put on like a fool, when you are that, when you're the doctor, You have the ability to do something this horrible. Especially when you have a life ripped from you like he had with his human life that they basically destroyed. And they made him take. He didn't want it. They made him have to take it. And they made him hurt that much again. So those two for David Tennant because they show both sides of him that are amazing. Last but not least because I know we're getting ready to run out of time. Matt Smith. Matt Smith the doctor's wife talking to the TARDIS. And that scene made me like Matt Smith. Um, That scene just rips my soul out of him telling her he didn't want her to go. And I love the fact that she tells him, you know, and he says goodbye is he thinks that's going to be the word. And she says, no, you know, hello and you know this is the day we talked that scene wins (laughs) that scene is is the 11th doctor that that's it you know he finally finds the one that's always been with him and he needed it i think so that is that's my top picks of the 11 doctors my favorite parts yeah, they're all my favorite. I can't pick just one, but this gives you an idea and this gives you a reason why I love this show so much and why <laughs> it's such a big deal and why it's gone on for fifty years. So there you have it. Be sure to watch BBC America this week. If um catch up on everything, I, I know we're airing on Thursday, but you have to I hope you got to see um Adventure in Time and Space. Um If you haven't got a chance to check it out, be sure to watch The Science of Doctor Who with Professor Brian Cox. It was amazing, amazing. Um, So much good stuff this week on BBC America. And Saturday at 11.50 a.m. Pacific, the 50th anniversary special.
0: And we will be there. Oh, yes. We will be there. (laughs) No, seriously, I'll be I'll be at your house. I'm sure you will be. <laughs> and, uh,
1: on Monday, on Monday, the following Monday, um, the 25th, Fathom Events is going to be showing it in 3D at multiple theaters. They've sold out so many shows. They've added other showings and everything. It's been crazy. So yes, and with that, this is Jessica Dwyer signing off. Rachel, thank you again. Thank you. And Viva Doctor Who. Viva yes. Doctor Who. Good night. It's daft, but I haven't ever thanked you for that time. And like I said, I wouldn't have missed it for the world.
0: Something to tell the grandkids?
1: I I think it'd be someone else's grandkids now.
0: Right, yes. Sorry, I didn't get a chance to ask. You haven't... Hmm? There hasn't been anyone, you know...
1: Well, there was this one guy. I travelled with him for a while,
0: but he was a tough act to follow. (laughs) Goodbye, Doctor. Oh, it's not goodbye. You say it, please, this time.